If you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn to Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Just going to look at one verse. It will also be up on the screen. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Just going to read this one verse to really shape our message this morning. These are the words that were recorded by Moses. It says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. I want to read just that first part again because that's going to be the focus of our message this morning. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. And here's what I want us to focus on. He is the faithful God. Heavenly Father, as we take these next few minutes together around your word, Holy Spirit, I pray and I ask that you would help me to speak not a single word of my own, but only that which comes from you. Help me to decrease and help you to increase and be the focus of our time together this morning. Lord, as we open your word together today, and as we really draw our attention, not toward us, but toward you and your faithfulness, pray that even as we hear these words spoken and Holy Spirit, as you speak to us, that you would really just begin to challenge our hearts to think and to reflect on how you have been faithful to us and how you are calling us to be faithful to you. Give us clarity of mind, challenge our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated this morning. As I uh, really reflect upon the last few years, the journey that has led us to this special celebration on October 10th, 2021, as I think about really the spiritual victories that we have encountered, the new experiences that we've walked through over the last few years, and even the kingdom impact that we have and continue to witness, there's one thing that really comes to mind, and it is this, God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. I want to read the text again, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations, and he lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Now, this, this God-given vision of, of planting healthy and life-giving churches, and specifically the vision for this church here in Dunkirk, Indiana. I want to remind you this morning that that vision has come from God, and it has always been on the mind of God. Now, 10 years ago, maybe we weren't thinking about it. 20 years ago, maybe we weren't thinking about it. But this vision for this church, I can say with confidence this morning, has always been on God's mind. A few years ago, we began to see this vision uh, begin to take shape and form. Uh, the praying and the strategic planning process began, began to unfold. We, we met with a core team. We prayed together. We, we really uh, casted vision together and began to dream about what God was calling us to do here in Dunkirk and in Jay County. 
We begin the vision casting process, the team building process. That was fun uh, getting to know some of you and, and your personalities, getting to learn a little bit more about what maybe makes you, um, um, what kind of your niche is and, and what things you like or dislike. It allowed me to get to know you better so we could work together as the body of Christ to fulfill this vision that God had laid upon our hearts. We began the, the community engagement process as well. One of, one of the first events that we really showed up at a couple years ago, or three years ago, I believe, uh, was the craft show uh, over at uh, what was West J Middle School, now West J Elementary. Remember setting up our booth, selling popcorn, giving away popcorn, and having the opportunity to meet several people as they came through. And then in October of 2019, this church was birthed. But even before the vision really became a reality, there were seeds for years that were being planted. There were prayers that were being offered up. There were people that were being prepared. There were hearts that were being molded in preparation for this vision that God had laid upon the hearts of his people. How many know this morning that our faithful God, He is an active God? He is always on the move. God is always calling people. He is always preparing people's hearts. He's always molding hearts and lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. And I think many of you in this room can probably attest to the fact that, that God is always orchestrating events. Sometimes we don't understand why this happens or why this is going on, but we know that our faithful God, He is an active God, and He is always on the move. And I'm thankful for that. I'm a guy who likes to know what's in front of me. I like to have a plan. But sometimes my plan doesn't always line up with God's plan. And at the end of the day, I'm going to submit to his plan because he is always orchestrating and moving parts because he is a faithful and active God. I want us to understand this this morning. God's vision, not just for this church, but even for your life, God's vision is best understood not in the moment that it is received, but in the process of living it out. I want to say that again, God's vision for your life, for the life of this church, is best understood not in the moment that it is received, but in the process of living out faithfully that vision. One guy that comes to mind from Scripture uh, is a guy that maybe many of us are familiar with. It's Abram or Abraham. If you remember all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God gives Abraham or Abram this vision of this call. He says, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. That's all Abram received. He wasn't given a map. He wasn't giving a, a given additional details. He wasn't given this entire plan uh, of 30 or 40 pages of what it's going to look like to follow him. God just simply said, go and I will show you along the way. Abram didn't understand fully the vision in that moment, but as he faithfully and obediently followed God, God continued to reveal what that vision was to look like. And the same is true, whether it's for the life of this church. I can tell you three years ago, three and a half years ago, as God was beginning to stir in my heart uh, a desire for this community and this place and this church, I had no idea 
two years later that this is what it was going to look like. I didn't have the full plan of what that vision uh, would unfold like, but God continues to reveal that to us. And the same is true, folks, in this place, all of you. There's probably dreams that God has given to you, visions that God has given to you, plans that he's laid up on your heart. And maybe in the moment, I think if we're honest, we begin to realize we don't always understand initially that vision, that dream, that plan. But as we obediently and as we faithfully follow God, he will begin to reveal to us in greater detail his plan. There was anyone in Scripture that knew of God's faithfulness. It was the people of Israel. Already mentioned Abraham, God promised land. He said, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. If you fast forward several decades, really several centuries after the time of Abraham, you go through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and remember the family of Jacob, there's Joseph, the the coat of many colors, and they end up in Egypt, and they stay in Egypt instead of returning to the land that God had given to his people. What ends up happening if you get into the book of Exodus, Israel ends up being in bondage to Egypt for over 400 years. Can you imagine just for a second being the people of Israel and, and knowing, knowing that God had promised to his people uh, land and, and descendants, but for 400 years you are in captivity and you are in bondage. At some point in that 400-year span, for the people of God, it probably seemed as if that vision was completely out of reach or likely even impossible. 400 years will pass and and God's people will be in captivity to the people of Egypt. But despite their slavery to Egypt, and even despite their failures in the wilderness for 40 long years, God still brought Israel back into the promised land. When we get to Joshua chapter 1 verse 3, says, I promise you, God is speaking to Joshua. Joshua has now been charged with the task of leading Israel into the land of promise. They've been in slavery for 400 years. They've been wandering in the wilderness now for 40 years. And now we get to Joshua. Moses has died on the mountain. He was able to see the land of promise, but he himself was not allowed to go in. We get to Joshua 1 verse 3. Joshua is the next man up. And he is tasked with the, with, the, um, with the task of leading God's people into the land of promise. And God says to him, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given to you. Folks, this is why Moses in Deuteronomy, which Deuteronomy is Moses' really final Final words just before his death. They, they are on the mountain. They are overlooking the promised land. Moses is, is about ready to die. And in his final words, Moses is able to declare to Israel that he, God, is the faithful God. Today is, is certainly a momentous day. It's our first service here in this brand new facility It's our second anniversary as a congregation. It's a day worth celebrating. But during this joyful occasion, I want to just focus for just a few moments this morning. I want to focus this morning on the faithfulness of God. 
There's a lot to celebrate. There's a lot to be joyful about. It's a beautiful space. We have um, great, comfortable chairs. Well, they might be a little hard right now, but after a few weeks, we'll, we'll work them in. But there's a lot to be thankful for and to celebrate. But today, I don't want us to miss something that's very important. And I want us to focus just for a few minutes together today on the faithfulness of God. What does it mean for God to be faithful? Three very simple things that I want to share with you. Nothing that maybe will wow you by any means, but I think something that will really challenge your heart this morning. Number one, what does it mean for God to be faithful? His word can always be trusted. Amen? God's word, the faithful God, his word can always be trusted. Now, how many of you out here this morning, you have that friend or that person that you know real well that cannot keep a secret? Anybody have that friend, that person? Um, I, I have a few of those in my life. I have, I have a few individuals that with confidence will say, oh yeah, you can tell me, I won't tell anybody. And as soon as you tell them, they go off and tell the whole world. I have a few of those people. One is actually my brother-in-law. And uh, Brian, and he's not here today, so I can bust on him. And um, Brian, if, uh, several years ago, before Sarah and I were, um, were married, um, Brian actually was uh, one of my best friends growing up and uh, was going to propose to Sarah, but I intentionally waited until the day before I proposed to even tell him. Uh, I knew if I told him even three days before that he, he would spoil the secret. Now, he was a guy, no, I can, I can keep a secret, no big deal, he couldn't. I had that friend. Um, my daughter, my youngest daughter, actually the, the two that are quite a bit alike, Iris and Olive, both of them have that, that same um, issue as well. Um, they, they claim that they can keep a secret, but as soon as they find something out, they're ready to go tell whoever. Um, we, can't, we can't say anything to them. Um, Olive, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, I celebrated my 34th birthday, and as soon as they came home, Olive was ready to tell me what, what mommy bought me uh, for my birthday. She was ready, spoiler alert, she was coming, uh, and she was ready to divulge that information. I think some of us know um, the, the story of the boy who cried wolf. And after a few times, he cried, for, he cried that there was a wolf and there really wasn't a wolf. Uh, the, the community no longer believed him when there really was a wolf in their midst. And, and so I think we all know somebody or have somebody in our life that says they can keep a secret, but at the end of the day, they are unable to. But we do know this. We may have a friend that that we can't always trust their word, or we're not always certain if they're going to come through for us. But there is one this morning that we can be certain about, and that is that God always keeps his word. He will never disappoint. He will never let us down. He will never go back on his word. He is a faithful God who always keeps his word. Just before they inherit the land of promise, Moses finds it necessary to remind the people of Israel that God is faithful. He urges them, as my dad shared even in the video, he urges them not to forget where they came from. Don't forget who you belong to. Don't forget that you are God's set-apart people, that, that I have set you apart for a purpose. 
He challenges them to remember God's promises. Don't forget the promise of land. Don't forget the promise of descendants. I don't want you to forget who you belong to, and I don't want you to forget what I have promised to you. Moses then will even call God's people to obey this faithful God. Now, how can we this morning, and and this is something that I want us to consider, how can we know that God's word is faithful and trustworthy? There's a lot of different things I could share with you this morning, but one particular thing comes comes to mind that I think is very unique, just something for us to reflect upon. I think most of us know in Scripture there are a lot of, lot of prophecies. There are a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament that, that are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. You can read from Genesis through Malachi, the Old Testament, and there are hundreds of prophecies that point to the person of Jesus Christ. And many of them, some of them written 400 years before, some written 700 years before, some written 1,000 years before Christ even comes on the scene. But in the person of Jesus Christ, every one of those prophecies is fulfilled. Here's something um, very interesting to consider. Scholars actually argue that there are roughly um, 300 to 400 different prophecies that are fulfilled in one man and that man is Jesus Christ. And I want you to get this this morning. If you, how many of you are, are math people in this room? Oh boy. <laughs> you may not, I may just be, this may, uh, it may go in one ear and out the other. That's all right. I'm going to give it to you anyways, all right? I want you to work with me this morning, okay? I want you to think with me. The probability of one man fulfilling just eight of those 400 plus prophecies is very, very small. That probability is 10 to the 17th power. Now, I know our minds can't really wrap uh, that number, so just think about the number 10 with 17 zeros after it. That is the probability of one single man even fulfilling just eight of those 400-plus prophecies. And let me kind of paint a word picture for you maybe that will help us see how significant this really is. If you were to take 10 to the 17th power, 10 with 17 zeros, that many silver dollars, and you were to lay them on the face of the state of Texas, they will cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep. That's how many silver dollars we're talking about. The entire state of Texas will be covered, and they will be stacked two feet deep. And if you were to just place a little black mark on one of those silver dollars and you were to say to some man, I want to blindfold you. We're going to stir up all of these silver dollars. I'm going to blindfold you. You can go wherever you wish in the state of Texas, in the state of Texas. And on the first try, blindfolded, you're going to pick out that silver dollar that has the black mark. That is the probability of one single man fulfilling just eight of those prophecies. But guess what? Jesus didn't just become the fulfillment of eight, but he became the fulfillment of over 400 prophecies in the Old Testament. Isn't that amazing? God is faithful and God's word can be trusted. God's word can certainly be trusted. His word is trustworthy because God is faithful 
There are promises in Scripture that you and I, we can go to the bank on. We know in Scripture it says that, that, that we, he will save those who believe on him. Paul writes that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. That is a promise that you can go to the bank on. His word is trustworthy. You can also go to the bank on this promise in Psalm, I believe, 34. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And maybe there are some of you in this room that have experienced the reality of that promise. Maybe through a period of loss or grief, the Lord was near to you and the Holy Spirit comforted you in that time of difficulty. We know that Jesus promises very clearly that he himself will build his church. And I think as we look around this room today, we are a byproduct of that promise. It's not anything we did. It's not anything that we've accomplished, but he is faithful to his word. His word is trustworthy, and he is the one that is building his church. We see that all through scripture. See it in Acts. If you remember, it started with just a group of 12. The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, there's 120. They're gathering in the upper room and they're praying, waiting for the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father comes and then Peter stands up and he preaches an incredible sermon. 3,000 people are saved. You read on in Acts chapter 4, 5,000 people. The church is continuing to grow because God is faithful and his word is trustworthy. Um, I didn't ask her if I could share this this morning, and she would share it much more eloquently than I would. Um, some of you have heard this story before. Nikki, I'm going to pick on you just for a minute. Um, and she shared this publicly before. And um, met Nikki a few years ago. I actually met her for the first time over at Westlawn Elementary. At that time, we were looking for a place to meet. I believe Tammy connected me with you. And I remember stepping into... Uh, the preschool room that day and met for the very first time in person and you were asking me a little bit about the church and who we were and what we were about. Found out later on, and Nikki has shared this and maybe some of you know this story, um, Nikki after she moved back um, to Dunkirk for nine years, nine years she had been praying, she had been interceding, she had been pleading for God to bring a church to this very community. And um, there were times, I think, in that nine-year period where you thought maybe four years in or five years in that this was the time that God was going to respond or answer that prayer. But after nine years, met her in that room, she began to sense God revealing to her that this is, this is the prayer that you've been praying, and I'm here to, to answer that prayer. God is faithful to his word. And so, Nikki, for nine years... When I talk about planting seeds, when I talk about prayers that are being offered up, part of this church is here today because of the prayers that have gone before. And because of that, God is faithful to his word. Great days ahead in the kingdom are possible as God builds his church. Another promise in scripture that we can go to the bank on is that he, Jesus, will one day return. He is coming back, amen? And because he's coming back, not only do we need to be ready for his return, but folks, as believers, as a church, there should be an urgency in us to want to share the good news, the hope of the gospel with any person that we rub shoulders with. 
My desire is not just for me and my family to be ready. My desire is for the 1,400 here in Dunkirk or the 13,000 in Jay County who don't have a relationship with God to be ready on the day that Christ returns. That is a promise that we can go to the bank on because he and his word are trustworthy. Number two, his presence. What does it mean for God to be faithful? Number two, his presence is always guaranteed. Israel experienced God's presence in powerful ways in the wilderness. As they, as they traveled through the wilderness, they were led uh, by a cloud in the daytime and by a pillar of fire at night. Everywhere the people of God went, they waited for the cloud to move. When the cloud moved, the people of Israel, what did they do? They, they packed up the tabernacle and they made their way to the next location. When the cloud stopped, God's people stopped. When the fire at night moved, they followed that pillar of fire until it stopped. And when it stopped, they, they unpacked the tabernacle and they set it up and they began to worship in that location. Anywhere that the, the cloud went or the fire went, representing the Holy Spirit, representing the presence of God, they followed. His presence is always guaranteed. And the people of Israel understood that better than most. Even Moses himself, when he's speaking with God on the mountain, he says that he wasn't willing to go anywhere without God's presence. Look at this in, in Exodus chapter 33. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Verse 15, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Moses is saying to God, God, we don't want to go anywhere without your presence because without your presence, we are nothing. We're lost. We have no purpose. We have no vision. We want to go, God, wherever you lead us. I think some of us in this room maybe understand this better than others. But God doesn't promise the absence of trouble. But he does promise his presence in the midst of trouble. What does the psalmist say? Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Folks, God, there is no place, no matter what anybody has told you. I, I, I wish sometimes we could just eradicate and get rid of trouble and hardship and difficulty. Actually, at the end of the day, I think it's in those moments that we grow if we cling to God, we grow the most. But there's no place. You, you read from Genesis to Revelation, you will find no place in Scripture where it says that God promises that you will not have any trouble here on this earth. But what you will find from Genesis to Revelation is a promise that even in the midst of trouble, God's presence is guaranteed. And folks, I am thankful I am thankful that his presence is always guaranteed. And sometimes I think we, we kind of live our life in such a way that when things are going well, we, we sort of forget about God. And we, we think everything's going well because of what we're doing. But when things get hard, we, we then run back to him. And, and I think as believers and followers of Christ, we need to make certain that in the good times and in the bad, that we are recognizing and worshiping his faithfulness. One of my favorite passages of scripture right out of Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says when you go through 
deep waters. When you go through deep waters. Which implies that all of us are going to go through deep waters. When you go through deep waters, God said, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I want to just encourage you, just be very pastoral for just a moment this morning, and encourage all of you in this room. Maybe you're here today, and there are circumstances in your life that you're walking through, and, and, and you can resonate with that scripture. And you're, I'm, in, I'm in deep waters. I'm walking right now through the fire of oppression. I, I'm, I feel like I'm drowning in this very moment, whatever the circumstances may be. Maybe it's something that's happening at home, something that's happening at work, something that's happening in the life of your family, whatever it may be. You may feel like you're walking through deep waters in the fire of oppression, but one thing I can promise you that is guaranteed this morning is that even as you walk through that fire of oppression or those deep waters, God's presence, His comforting presence, His Holy Spirit is guaranteed. He is with you. Never forget that. Never forget that even through those difficult moments, he is near to the brokenhearted. Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding the people that even as God was with them in the wilderness, he will also be with them in the land of promise. God's presence has and God's presence continues to lead us even as a congregation. Uh, Last Sunday was a very special Sunday. So our last Sunday over at the West J Community Center, we gathered in this place that looked a lot different. Um, there were no chairs. Um, there were really just a lot of dust and a scaffolding and a lot of other things. The place looked different, but we gathered as a congregation in this place. We prayed together, prayed asking God to continue to lead us. We want to go wherever he goes. We, we want to stay put when he stays put. Uh, Yvonne then led us in, in the chorus, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We want this to be a place where God's presence is dwelling and where we follow him as he leads us. And like Moses, God, we don't want to go anywhere without your presence. As he is faithful to us and as he is faithful to this congregation, let us continue to be faithful to him and his mission. Finally, and I'll give this to you real quickly and then we'll be done this morning. What does it look like for God to be faithful? What does that even mean? It means that his word is trustworthy. His presence is guaranteed. Finally, his provision is not just enough. It's more than enough. Again, Israel understood this better than anybody else. They were recipients of God's provision in the wilderness. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years. They complained a lot. They're just like church people, all right? We all complain, okay? I complain. I think it's just it's part of human nature. We complain. And they did as well. But they were recipients of God's gracious provision in the wilderness. When they traveled through, when they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, they had water that God provided from a rock. There was manna that came down from heaven. There was quail. There was a, a, a place to worship the tabernacle where they could come and, and, and offer sacrifices to God. They received the provision of God in great ways. 
God is faithful to provide for his children. Amen? A couple years ago, we were looking for a meeting space. Continue to pray. We had different options on the table, but God was faithful, and he provided a place for us to meet for two years. Yes, we set up and we tore down, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have space to meet in and to worship. This present worship facility, this present worship space is another blessing, another provision of God. And I've said this every single week now for several weeks. I don't want this place, and I say this to us all this morning, I don't want this place to, for us to come in here to, to settle in, to just get comfortable with, with how things look. It's beautiful. I, I'm so thankful for this space. But my prayer is that this place, this worship place, would become uh, an, an instrument for God to continue to build and advance his kingdom. The last thing we want to do is just now, let's just get comfortable inside these four walls and let's take care of ourselves. There's still a community that needs to be reached. There's still people who are longing to experience God's presence. And so let's allow this worship space when they come here or when we are sent out to be a place where they can encounter God's presence. His provision is more than enough. It's always on time. (laughs) I think about the feeding of the 5,000. If you remember, there were 5,000 men plus women and children. They were hungry. The disciples were ready to send them on home and and let them find food for themselves. And Jesus looked at his 12 disciples and he said, you feed 5,000 men plus women and children. I don't know about you, but I would look at that and there is no way that this is going to happen. They had nothing They found one single lad who had five loaves of bread and two fish, and they came back to Jesus, and they said, we've looked, we've searched, and and, and we were desperate, and all we could come up with was five loaves of bread and two fish, and you want us to feed 5,000 men plus women and children? There's no way, Jesus. Jesus' provision, his timing was perfect, and his provision was more than enough. He took that bread, he took the fish, he looked up to heaven, he gave thanks, he broke it, began to distribute it, and guess what? They were all fed, 5,000 men plus women and children, and they were fed, well fed. They didn't leave there hungry. They left there satisfied. They left there satisfied, and guess what? There were basketfuls left over. His provision, folks, is always on time, and it's always more than enough. God will satisfy our longings for him. Folks, we, I, I think we all know that there is this this. And maybe some of us have been in a place where we were searching to fill that emptiness or that void in our heart and our life. And we've tried every single thing on the face of this planet. And at the end of the day, the only thing that will truly satisfy that longing is Jesus, the bread of life. And not only will he satisfy, but folks, he is more than enough. Sometimes his provision, it comes in shapes and sizes that may not look like anything that we recognize, but it always meets the need. Here's my question for you this morning. How has God provided for you? How has God been faithful to you and to your family? Let me read this story and then we'll be done. My two sons, this comes from the book Unnecessary Pastor by Eugene Peterson. He writes these words, My two sons are both rock climbers, And I've listened to them plan their ascents. They spend as much or more time planning their climbs as in the actual climbing. They meticulously plot their routes and then as they climb, put in what they call protection 
pitons hammered into small crevices in the rock face with attached ropes that will arrest a quick descent to death. Rock climbers who fail to put in protection have short climbing careers. Our pitons or protection, they come as we remember and hold on to those times when we have experienced God's faithfulness in our lives. Every answered prayer, every victory, every storm that has been calmed by his presence is a piton which keeps us from falling, losing hope, or worse yet, losing our faith. Every piton in our life is an example of God's faithfulness to you and to me. As we ascend in the kingdom of God, we also realize that each experience, each victory, is only a piton, a stepping stone toward our ultimate goal of finishing the race and receiving the crown of glory. Folks, God's faithful provision, it is perfect. His timing is perfect. His provision is more than enough. Would you stand with me this morning, worship team, if you would come. Just look at me for just a minute. Number one, even if we are faithless, Scripture is very clear that God always remains faithful. I want you to hear that again. Even when we are faithless, when we lack faith, God is always faithful. Thankful for that because there's probably been moments in my life where my faith didn't really line up with what God was expecting or looking for, moments of doubt, moments of concern. Folks, even when we have those moments of faithlessness, God is always faithful. His word is trustworthy. His presence is guaranteed. And his provision is more than enough. But folks, even when we are faithless and God is always faithful, this should not be an excuse to then lack in our faithful obedience to God and His Word. We we can't just take that scripture and say, okay, well, God's always faithful even when I'm faithless, so I can just do whatever I want to do. That's not an excuse for us as believers to then lack in our obedience to a faithful God. He is calling us. The faithful God is calling you, calling me, calling this church to be faithful and obedient to Him and His ways. God is forever faithful. He will be faithful to the very end. But today He's calling us individually, as families, and as a church, He is calling us to be faithful to Him, faithful to His Word faithful to his mission, even faithful to his calling. There may be some of you in this room today that that God has really been stirring in your heart a, a very specific call. Maybe you've run from that call for a few months, a few years. God is still calling you to be faithful to his word. He's calling all of us to be faithful to his mission to love God 
with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to love neighbor as self, to go and make disciples of all nations. That is what he is calling us to be faithful to. And he's calling us to be faithful to the calling that he's placed upon our life.